This Off the Hazel podcast is now driven by Delari Nissan Regina. Nissan. And that's four birdies in a row for Drew Kocher to close out the day with a smooth 69, ladies and gentlemen. And would you look at that, Troy Kosher stripes one right down the middle on the wrong fairway. The Reverend can't drive, he can't hit his irons, and he can't putt, but boy can that guy drink. You're listening to Off the Hosel, presented by Nissan Regina. Now here's your host, Drew Kosher, and co-host, Troy McClure Kosher. Alrighty. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Off the Hosel. This is episode 55 and I am your host, Drew Koser. I'm joined by my co-host and brother, Troy Koser. Hello! Oh, I love that. Especially when it's nice and quiet here today. No one's here just yet. It's Wednesday morning. Um, yeah, first off, thanks for everyone to come back to listen to the show, as always. But before we get into the interview, we want to remind you that this is a Nissan-driven podcast that is located on 1111 Broad Street in Regina, Saskatchewan. Uh, check them out. They got great vehicles, uh, great service, great team. Uh, so go there for your next purchase on a vehicle. And Troy, why don't you rip us off where we're at today? We are broadcasting live from Divots Indoor Golf, 6823 Rochdale Boulevard, located in Regina, Sask. Give them a call, 306-206-1270, or visit them at www.divotsgolf.com. Book your tee time. Play Divots, don't make them. Boom, that was perfect. All right, well, let's get right into it here, right in our open pit. Uh, first off, Troy, how are things, man? What's going on? It's uh, It's been a while since I guess we kind of talked. It's last podcast kind of thing, but what's going on? Getting worse at PGA 2K21. I disagree. I thought you played just fine last night. Yeah, no. We started up that uh, Off the Hosel Society. We're waiting for more people to join. I know I got three of my four rounds in, and I'm shooting a whopping plus nine. Friend of the show, Sammy Willis, uh, decided to join, and I think he's 25 under. So uh, minus 40. Oh, 40. I'm, minus, I'm minus 25. I thought I had yeah. it in the bag. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for giving us a chance. Um, yeah, no, uh, done some some golfing and work. Hell of a storm we had there the other day. That was bananas. Um, yeah, you. What's up? What's new? You know what? Not a whole lot. Watching a lot of hockey, a lot of golf. Don't want to talk about hockey. Well, I do because I want to ask some questions. Uh, obviously, you being an Oilers fan, and I don't know why. The whole Canadian division. What are your your thoughts on that division? Oilers are a dumpster fire. That early in the season, eh? Just done. Yeah, right, one in three. Well, there's lots of hockey left though. They're one in three. Their power play. What did we see the this morning? No, they've got they're two, two for twelve, I think. Um, defense is terrible. Goaltending is a fucking gong show i'm sorry i don't swear much but you know they got they got a kid named Stuart skinner who skinner was team canada goalie you know he was great in the dub give the guy a chance they're trying to go pick guys off waivers that play in adult safe <laughs> like it's it just blows my mind anyways oilers suck yeah calgary they're 
actually looking pretty good. Vancouver, they're not doing so well either. Ottawa surprising a few teams, beating the Leafs the other night. Yeah. They make me laugh. Um, yeah, I, I, as a hockey fan, it's like I said, I, I've been wearing my COVID Oilers mask here, and I'm lately been turning it inside out. So enough about the Oilers. They're, uh, they're a dumpster fire, and uh, thank God we only got, well, what do we got? 40, no, 52 games left, so. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I'm down total opposite. Of that. I think that they're they're fine. They're going to be once they put that line back together with uh, McDavid and Drysaddle. They should do that sooner or later. But I think they have a lot of firing power. And, and I agree with you. They should give Skinner a chance. He should have played last night. Um, but yeah, Koskinen's garbage. Yep, he's not even a backup. I would move on from him. I would, like I said, putting Skinner in. Uh, is, is who's who's the backup? Smith still there? Smith's on LTIR or whatever. Okay, that was. and he's fucking garbage too. <laughs> the combined age of those two goalies is 100 almost. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back into some golf talk then. Thanks, Trelli. <laughs> First up, uh, PJ, last week, the Sony Open, our winner, looked to be like Brendan Steele, but he just didn't have enough, and Kevin said, nah, I'm taking this one, and our winner was, I just mentioned it, Kevin Na for his fifth PGA victory in his 18 years on tour. 37 um, years old, yeah. Yeah, thoughts on uh, that? I don't know if you watch any, Troy, but uh, just give us your feedback on I, that event. I caught a little bit. What I found more impressive was, and I can't remember the guy's name, you might know off the off the top of your head, but the there was a guy that made the money Monday qualifier. Um, damn, I can't remember his name. He ended up shooting. He he made he shot two sixty sixes. He ended up finishing. He got a paycheck for like one hundred eighteen thousand dollars. So well, that'll it, do. It's uh, pretty cool that a guy that basically walked off the street on a qualifying tournament finished top ten. I'm, I, while you're talking, I'm going to Google it here. Okay, perfect. Well, while you do that, I'm going to rip off a quick one here because I know Joaquin Neiman, back to back week has been right there. Uh, and a surprise, not a surprising, but a, an impressive stat. My, he's been 41 under par in the last seven rounds. And I, and then we put on our page, is that any good? Like, how good is minus 41 in seven rounds of golf? Neiman is a good golfer. I've actually watched him for the last, geez, I think this is probably his third year. He's young. He's 22, I think. Yeah. Well, um, I, sorry, before you rip that off there, it was, I, we got a message last night late on our Instagram and this guy goes, or, uh, it was Jordan Johns, jo- Johnsy, he goes, I don't think I, I made 41 birdies last summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's minus 41 in seven rounds. Uh, impressive. Uh, while you're still looking that up, I'm going to uh, go to our Canadians. Nick Taylor was Found close. It. Okay, Found it. sorry, Found it. Nick Hardy was his name. What did he shoot? Uh, oh, is that from a friend of our show? Nick Hardy had back-to-back birdies on 16-17. His first tour event after qualifying, he finished T-13. Wow, Not that's impressive. bad at all. And, and where does that breaking news come from? That was from our friend at the Monday Q Info. Yep, that's his Twitter. Twitter page, yeah. We can't say his name, but a uh, friend of the show. Yeah, yeah check him out. Okay, we'll move on to our Canadians finishing well. Nick Taylor was super close to as well. Solid weekend finishing in a spot for tied for 11th. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes, uh, Hughes finishing T19th, and Mike Weir finishing T47th. So, um, you know, thoughts on those Canadians, Troy? Oh, Canada. They're doing well. Yep, absolutely. Early, early on in the year, and uh, hopefully good things come. And I know our guest today will uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a bit. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely a good showing from our Canadians uh, this past weekend. So today's uh, podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Who is the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming? Big news, Manscaped just released their new clone scent to help you feel good and smell good all over and at all times. Who knew smelling this good 
could feel this good too. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Manscaped.com. And the promo code is? Off the Hosel. 20. Hosel 20. Hosel 20. off and free shipping. Wasn't on my paper. That's all right. That's all right. It's at the, at the bottom there. It's okay. Um, but yeah, check out Manscaped. Use their stuff. Clean your nuts. Wash your balls. Wash your feet. They have a foot deodorizer though, and, and my gal did say I need that. So I will be checking out the foot deodorizer because I do have smelly feet. Okay. So, Troy, where are we off to uh, next week? Let's talk about uh, our next event. This coming week, starting Thursday, we're heading to La Quinta, California, where I have played and been. Beautiful. Really? Yes. They're well, going to be okay, playing perfect. They're going to be playing the American Express at the PGA West. It's actually, uh, the, the tournament is over three courses, but they're finishing off at PGA West, which is a beautiful golf course. Like, beautiful. And if you get it at the right price, not too bad. <laughs> um, headlined by the likes of Brooks Kapka, Johnny Rom, Patrick Reed, and uh, actually first tournament of the year for today's guest. Adam uh, Hadwin. Adam Hadwin. Adam Hadwin. So you'll hear about that in his interview, uh, why he didn't play the first couple weeks. But uh, yeah, he's making his debut. So it should be a, a fun weekend. Good weather. Um, I, no fans again, but uh, yeah, La Quinta. Well, I, I want to ask you now that you've played there, what are you most excited for seeing this weekend, obviously from having your feet on the ground out there? Honestly, it's the scenery of that golf course. Um, I know when they were playing in, in uh, oh, Brainfort here. Where were they in Mexico a few weeks ago? Uh, not Cancun. Anyways, the views. The, the, the views of this golf course are absolutely stunning. you got mountains in the background, palm trees, water. Um, you know, these guys, I, I know firsthand from hitting a ball, which, you know, hit a few good ones. When you, when you hit your drive straight, it looks like it just keeps going and going and going. It's not like here in the prairies where it's flat, you know, it, yeah. the ball goes up and down. It just looks like the ball keeps soaring. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I know it's not a, I like John Rom this weekend. He's played this course really well in the past. Nice. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to say Rom wins the tournament. Um. Uh, it should be interesting. Like I said, big field, spread over three different courses, finishing up at PGA West. Yeah, it's uh, it's just good golf's back on. Absolutely, it is. And we're excited to get back outdoors. Jake, our next topic here, uh, it's touchy, but I have some questions for you. And I know listeners, I'm sure, have questions, but they don't have a podcast. So Justin Thomas, Ralph Lauren, um, where are you on the release of Ralph Lauren um, obviously, we talked about it last week. Justin Thomas said some um, slurs he shouldn't have said. He came out with a, a really, I thought, a man's speech of saying, "I, you know, I fucked up. Um, I apologize. I, I know I can't say this stuff in in the world today." But um, let's talk about Ralph Lauren and, and Justin Thomas. I don't want to say too much. Um, it's it's the society we live in now today. You, I, I know I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. As a professional athlete, doesn't matter if you're a golfer, hockey player, football player, basketball player, cricket player. The world's changed. You're mic'd up. You're on TV. I, you got to be smarter than that. And and for them to pull their sponsorship, honestly, in my opinion, I'm a fan of it. I, I think you have to you have to be aware of your actions. Yep. Um, Classic and, question. And, and really, what is JT losing out with one sponsorship? 
No. Because there's another one right in line to jump on his back, on his bag. Yes, <laughs> on his bag, Manscaped. But uh, I did want to ask you, though, is there a different way that they could have went with it and said, let's move in a different way together? Let's grow as Justin Thomas and what he said and Ralph Lauren, or no. And if there isn't, is it worrisome now for Titleist and every other sponsor now goes, well, we should drop them too. That's what is worrisome for him, I would think. I don't think those big corporations care, okay. to be honest. They have so much money. Titleist, Ralph Lauren, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade. They have so much money. Yeah. They are the superior to the golfer. The golfer relies on them for the money in the backing. Again, got to be aware of your actions. It's it's not right 20 years ago. It's not right today. It's not right tomorrow what you're saying. And like I said, you got to remember you're under the spotlight, especially now more than ever. There's no fans. Yeah. Right? If there's if there's 5,000 people on that green or around that green and clapping, da, 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 you probably don't hear anything. Yep, absolutely. So, again, I think it was the right move by Ralph Loren. Uh, and, you know, like I said earlier, Justin Thomas, it's probably not going to hurt his bank that much. Yep. And right. now he knows what he what he is wrong, and, and we hope that he moves better as a person. And hopefully athletes in general all learn from his mistake. And, I mean, across the board, any, any sport. So, yeah, Alrighty. that's my two cents on it. I don't want to talk too much about yeah, it. Yeah, that's so. perfect. Okay, let's jump in now. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Tiger documentary. Uh, this thing is wild. It went deep into his sex scandal. Uh, the mistress... Uh, have you had a chance to watch it yet, episodes one or two? I, I didn't. I don't want you to tell me too much. Uh, I know after, I'm, I'm going in for overtime tonight, but I yep. think this afternoon I'm going to watch the two episodes. Um, I may have a uh, Android device that might be unlocked. Oh, okay, nice. So I am going to catch up on those two this afternoon. I will report back next week on my thoughts. Okay, So don't yeah. spoil it for me. No, uh, no spoilers. Uh, enjoy it. Take it with um, going blind. Well, from what I've heard from guys from work that have watched it, they said that the Michael Jordan one was way better. And I said, well, that was like a six-part series or seven-part series. Yeah. Right? And he also had more leeway with it. So it's two different things. You're talking basketball and championships and a team sport to an individual who made some not-so-good life decisions. I'm not stupid. I know what it's about. Yeah. Tiger, right? You know what, though? We put out a few polls, you know, week in, week out when this comes out, when the episode comes out, and a lot of people said, I'm not watching it. The storyline sucks. So the reason why I wanted for you to watch it, and I want to ask you next week too, is are, are, are people not watching it because the, because you don't want to watch it or because you don't want to hear the truth? Because that's, this is just telling, and again, you can't believe everything you hear, but there's a lot of shit going on in this episode. So I'm going to just leave it at that, enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And if you don't like it, great. We can discuss about it next week. Sounds good. Okay. Wow. It's time to get our, our guest today. Adam Hadwin. Born in Moose Jaw. Raised in British Columbia. Yep. Um, an absolute great guest. And before we jump right into that, MJT Golf Tour, as I'm alumni from there, um, they, they called me 1130 on Friday night. I was watching a scary movie. Scared the hell out of me. But... They are going to team up with us on this one. They're putting it on their website. They're on their MJT YouTube channel. They are so ecstatic about what we, we got them on. So that's huge for us. Uh, Adam talking about, like we talked about last week, your roots. Going back to your roots. So um, just quickly, Troy, touch on this one before we get into the, the actual podcast. 
first thoughts about the Adam Hadwin podcast and no slight to Adam whatsoever. But when we were talking to him via text message and, and, and Twitter messaging, direct messaging, I think we were both under the understanding that eh, this is going to be a quick 20-minute interview. Uh, guy's busy, you know. Wow. Totally different. It was uh, it was an hour and hour and 20, I think is what it was. Yeah. And great guy. Good stories, funny. Uh, really, I think he enjoyed being on with us. I know at the end of the interview, he said we had a lot of good questions for him, stuff that he never really answered before. Um, down to his roots, he, he, he's a really good guy, and we also found out he's a Canucks fan. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like that's what we were, I was saying earlier. With uh, he, He's making his debut this weekend. Um, I'm excited for him. So am I. We asked him one question that listeners might want to know, who had the better beard between him or Graham Dillette. He had a good answer for that. Uh, again, want to thank Adam for joining the show. Really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you touched on every possible point. We put out a ton of teasers. Um, we had a couple more we wanted to send out, but then I was like, ah, listen to the podcast. There was a lot of interest on it. So, um, and, and I guess quickly, you know, the Dylan play for one last week too went bananas. So people enjoyed that one. Uh, he was a funny bastard on there. Um, and we talked about it, even how he, like, he was funny one of the boys and then also he's an adult and says hey like you know take time for your fans so but Hadwin great interview a lot of fun looking forward to uh I hope, I hope everyone enjoys it so I think it's about time we send it on over now to Adam Hadwin he's the Canadian Adam Hadwin to get to three under right in the middle I just made a few putts there on the on the backside Adam Hadwin just watch this man putt then wow great stroke anytime you're under par this place is pretty good This podcast is brought to you by Last Mountain Distillery, a proud sponsor of Off the Hosel. They are a locally owned company in Lumsden, Saskatchewan. They have some of the best options around, and trust me, I know. They got whiskey, vodka, rum, and so many other options that you can't go wrong with. They are in a, over 100 different retailers across Saskatchewan. So start thinking with your brain, shop local, and purchase your Last Mountain Distillery products today. Already, we are pleased to be joined by a guy that has some ties to Saskatchewan. You know, born in Moose Jaw, but raised in beautiful British Columbia. Uh, he has 12 pro wins, if I'm correct. One PGA, two Corn Ferry, and nine others. So, uh, we're very happy to have join us today, Adam Hadwin. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Adam. Guys, of course, it's my pleasure. Man, so okay, well, let's get right into it here. What's going on? Well, first off, Happy New Year. Um, you know, what's new with you? And uh, how was Christmas? Happy New Year to you guys as well. Uh, Christmas Thanks. was good, very quiet, uh, which I imagine a lot of people had quiet Christmases this year. Um, we were in our home in Phoenix. It's just the three of us. First Christmas with the little girl. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, if she's, she's going to be turning one here in about four days, uh, three days. So she doesn't quite really know what's going on. But <laughs> it's still pretty exciting to, uh, to have her see everything and, and watch her kind of experience everything for the first time but very quiet it was nice um and uh to be honest not not much is going on um you know it, we kind of live a pretty solitary life um it's it's worked out uh, our life hasn't really changed much given covid uh and everything that's going on we didn't have a, a booming social life to begin with so um we just uh just kind of hiding out uh, in Phoenix, and uh, I've been getting back to work, and 
and working hard for uh, for two weeks from now when I start in Palm Springs. Um, but other than that, yeah, not not too much going on down here. Well, I mean, staying out in Arizona couldn't be the worst thing in the world right now. <laughs> no, uh, living in Arizona right now is pretty darn nice. Uh, let me let me tell you, uh, my wife is from Wichita, Kansas, and I think they got six inches of snow a few weeks ago, and so she's been talking with family and all that, and it's 65 and sunny basically every day here. So um, this is, uh, you know, you're going to pick a place to live for golf. Um, you're not going to beat Phoenix or Palm Springs or something like that. It's it's uh, it's like living in a dome each day, and uh, it's such a, such a great place to practice. There's so many good golf courses, and... Um, you know, my, my wife loved it here as well, so it's a, a perfect spot for her. Yeah, I, I, I imagine, Adam, you know, uh, you were born in Saskatchewan, so you know what the weather's like here right now, right? Yeah, we're, we're not golfing outdoors, so uh, good <laughs> good on you for being down in Phoenix. Uh, I, I've got to golf quite a few times in Palm Springs. It's actually one of my favorite places to go. Where's uh, where's the tournament you're playing in? What's the next tournament? Uh, Palm Springs will be the, will be the first week. Um, I usually start my season there. Um, Hawaii, I, I love, don't get me wrong, I love Hawaii. Uh, it's a great spot, and, and Honolulu is, is a lot of fun to be to be in. Uh, but it's a, it's a long way over there, um, and you don't realize it because it's, it's just traveling within the U.S. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. You can get the, the people on the East Coast, like New York to England, is almost the same time, I think, as it is from L.A. to... Hawaii, depending on the wind and which way you're going. So um, it's a it's a long way over there for for one week. And um, I also like I like I just mentioned here in Phoenix, like playing in a dome. Uh, there's hardly any breeze. Yeah, the grass is perfect. Uh, everything's just been overseeded. I mean, it's just like textbook perfect condition. And to go over to Sony and then get into the Bermuda and the wind and all of that. It, it's almost a bit of a shit. And then turn around and come back to Palm Springs, which is exactly like Phoenix. Yeah. It's almost like a bit of a shock to the system. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I just, you know, I've been practicing in this all winter. I, I just don't see why I would, would go kind of throw myself mm -hmm. to the wolves a little bit for one week and then come back to what I've been practicing in. So right. that's kind of been my train of thought the last few years. Obviously, if I got into... Uh, tournament of champions there in Maui. I would probably make two weeks of it because it's such a long trip over there um, and play Sony as well. But um, if, I, if I'm if I don't if I'm not going over there uh, for at least a couple, then I'll just like I've been doing the last couple of years, just starting in Palm Springs. It just makes everything easier. Mm -hmm. Such a you know, it's a four-hour drive or three-hour and forty-five-minute drive from Phoenix. You just kind of cruise across I-10 very low key you know you get three golf courses you're doing practice rounds in carts uh that week um it's just kind of a low key way to start the week or to start your year so what what course is it that you'll be playing in palm springs i'm just curious uh we play three courses it's a pro-am style format um we play the two of them at pga west we play the uh, stadium course, and we play the Nicholas Tournament course, and then we also play La Quinta Country Club. 
Okay. Uh, just up the road outside the gate to PJ West. So they're all they're all down there in uh, in the Quinto. Awesome, man. Kate, Adam, I mean, as we always like to do on this podcast, we like to backtrack things here, and it's kind of a long question. Uh, I, I mean, you were born 30 minutes away from our hometown in Moose Jaw, then ended up in BC. Uh, you know, first off, how long were you in Moose Jaw for, and what was a young Adam Hadwin doing as a youngster? Um, yeah, uh, I, I feel like a Saskatchewanite at heart. Uh, even though uh, I would call the West Coast home. I was only there, I think, less than a couple of years. Um, I'd have to probably talk to my parents to get the exact timeline, but um, less than a couple of years, we went west to Alberta. Uh, we lived in Grand Prairie for a little bit. Um, we were only there another two, three years. My brother was born in Grand Prairie, um, and then we went out west. Uh, further out west onto the island uh, to Nanaimo. So we went Moose Jaw, Grand Prairie, Nanaimo, Abbotsford, Victoria, Abbotsford. Um, so we kind of moved around a little bit. Uh, my, mom, my mom was with Sears for, I don't know, 30 years or something, 30, 40 years or something like that. So okay. she kept getting moved around uh, with her job. Um, and so that's why we, we kept moving. But... Um, I was a little kid. What was I doing? Well, my dad was in the golf business. My dad was a uh, PGA of Canada professional uh, okay. for 30 years. And he's still um, he's doing the director of golf GM duties at Ledgeview Golf right now in Abbotsford. So he's still in the business. Um, and that's kind of uh, sort of, I guess, what I was doing. I've been around the game my whole life. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't sort of my first love, though. Um, I grew up playing soccer and baseball. Um, just any, any sort of sport, activity, outside, playing, street hockey, um, you know, kick the can. I mean, anything that you could think of just being outdoors with, um, you know, other kids and, and any sort of competition that I could get into, I got into it. Um, very, very, very highly competitive person and it doesn't matter what I'm doing I need to win (laughs) and uh, so I was I was doing that I was you know I was like from from a very young age Um, my dad says I started getting balls around two two years old Uh, when he was teaching I would go to the the other side of the range and uh, hit balls by myself so um, like I said it's been it's been in me for a long time but I kind of took my own my own route to getting there and and to actually playing this game for a seriously and then and then for a living um down yeah. the road but I, I i played every other sport growing up except for hockey wow i still hold a bit of a <laughs> i know i still hold a bit of a grudge for my parents uh, <laughs> on that one now i mean looking back it's probably a smart move i probably <laughs> would have had four or five concussions right now and not be playing any sports but um you know five eight five eight one one forty one fifty doesn't really equate to much when you put me on on skate, so um, I would have. I feel like I would have been knocked around a little bit, so uh, maybe a blessing in disguise. So, you, you just told us about your trek from Saskatchewan out to the West Coast. I guess what our listeners want to know is your favorite CFL team is still the Saskatchewan Roughriders, right? Yeah, you know, I was too young to really get <laughs> the, uh, the the green when I was when I was out there. I if I if I you know gunned ahead, I'd have to say Lions. Um, wow, uh, he didn't say the stamps, yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, it's true. Just, 
just growing up out west, right? That's why, like, that's why I say. I mean, I, I feel like deep down, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, you know, I mentioned my wife's from Wichita, Kansas, which I think is is very similar mm-hmm. um, in that it's you know sort of a more blue collar, hardworking, you know, quieter. You know, certainly not like you know the big city. And um, I feel like even though I grew up out west, uh, uh, just outside Vancouver there. Um, I feel like I've taken a lot of that with me out of Saskatchewan. And, um, you know, I, I, I found a, a pretty good woman. I feel like I, I got that in her as well, um, that sort of uh, prairie-like uh, work ethic and, and, and uh, you know, blue-colloredness, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. But um, I, that's why I definitely feel like I was born in Saskatchewan anyways. I wasn't born out west. That's for sure. <laughs> well, we'll get you back here sooner or later. I, uh, you, you kind of answered the next question we had written down. Um, so I'm kind of going to jump around. I mean, you said you didn't play hockey. You mentioned sports that you did play outside of golf. Um, when you started playing golf, I, I, I don't know exactly what age it was at, but when did you get that passion where it was like, this is something I'm really good at and I, and I, and I can continue to get better at? I, I sort of started to pick it up more seriously um, right around 13, 14 years old. Um, I was playing, you know, uh, high-level baseball at the time. Um, and uh, I kind of, I, I just got sick of the politics involved. Um, I got sick of um, some of the subjectiveness uh, mm-hmm. that goes along. Yeah, those things. I'm sure you know those that played hockey growing up would would understand exactly oh, what yeah. I'm talking about. Hundred um, <laughs> percent. You know, uh, I I hated I hated feeling like I did a really good job and it not being noticed or something. Mm-hmm. If that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. And maybe I just wasn't as good as I thought I was. But <laughs> um, you know, I, the other the other part of team sports that always that I had a hard time dealing with was. And it was twofold. One, if I had a really good individual effort, you know, in baseball, I could go four for four, a couple, home, you know, make all the plays in the field, and we could still lose. Yeah. Um, I, I had a hard time dealing with that, and I also had a hard time dealing with playing like shit and the team winning. I didn't know yeah. how to handle that <laughs> either. Um, you know, and it, it, I didn't. I guess I just, I never really, I mean, I was only, you know, 11, 12, 13, but I never really adopted that whole, like, the team becomes the biggest focus. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I kind of sort of naturally graduate or uh, gravitated towards golf because of that. And um, just the individual nature of it. You know, if I play well, then... I get what I get, you know, yeah. there's, there's no subjectiveness. If somebody shoots 66 and I shoot 67, I lose by one. That's it. There's right. no, you know, nobody gets to say, well, he's got a prettier golf swing, so he wins, you know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. lowest, lowest score wins. And so I was kind of drawn to that at first and I really didn't know whether I would enjoy it or whether I'd be good at it. I knew it was, you know, because of my dad, I had been around it and played and all that stuff and, um, so I just kind of got into it and I started 
uh, I dedicated, uh, you know, winners and stuff. So all that time I was playing soccer and, and baseball, I, I started dedicating towards golf, and um, I just kind of I kind of kept getting better, and I started playing in junior tournaments. And um, I'm not sure what age I was, maybe 14, maybe 15, something like that. Um, I remember playing a Maple Leaf Junior Tour event at Northview. Uh, it was the same time the Air Canada Championship was uh, was going on, and uh, we were on the other golf course. And I shot a, a 69 in the final round uh, to win my age division. And that was, I think, kind of the moment. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going because, you know, I'm doing enough. I guess I'm doing enough good things, and I've seen enough improvement. Mm-hmm. And here's a, a win to show for it. So um, I kind of kept on from there. And other than, I mean, other than that moment I, or that sort of that specific event, I can't really think of any specific moment where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to actually make money from this and I'm going to do this for a living. It was simply a sort of each year just get better and better and better. And then I found yeah. myself going to the University of Louisville on a scholarship and uh, think, you know, I'm like, even then, it's like, look, I, I need to get my, I need to get my degree. I need to have a backup. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, you know, the odds of me making it are yeah. slim and this <laughs> and that. So, um, so I went there and, you know, I was getting my degree and I, I was playing and I was playing well. And, you know, fast forward to senior year, I, I hadn't won at all in college and, Fast forward to senior year, I think I was in like the top 40, um, top 40, top 45 of college golf rankings. Um, finally won my senior year. Yeah. Uh, second last, second last event of the year. And, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm still getting better and I'm still improving. Um, you know, I've got my degree, but I kind of want to see what I can do do with golf and um, I think from that point forward it was kind of a I'm not sure what else I would do at this point I kind of you know as, as uh, you know as an athlete or something you often get asked the question you know what would you be doing if you weren't playing golf or, or whatever sport it is and I actually don't know like <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point now I've been playing you know the game for so long that I mean, these last 10, 11 years as a professional have just blown by. Um, I don't know what I would be doing. <laughs> I'm so far removed from normal, you know, from yeah. actual life now that I don't even think I have any skills to translate into a proper job anymore. So I'm just, I'm just thankful that, you know, I, I still have the drive to continue to work hard every year um, and try and get better every year and, and, my play has continued to be good enough to to have a job on the PGA Tour. It's it's pretty cool. Well, man, that's an incredible story, and you actually like I don't know if, I don't know if you have my email account, but you got my uh, my notes here just <laughs> d- dialed in. So. Uh, I am going to backtrack just a little bit here. I wanted, to, and that's a crazy story, which is unbelievable. And obviously, we're happy for you being Canadian and everything, and you're doing well. But I have to ask, you you played on the MJT tour just like myself, and um, clearly, I'm doing this, and, and you're doing what you're doing, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have to ask, though, did you ever play any Canadian nationals as a junior? Like the Canadian junior? Yeah. Uh, 
Um, or the men's, I guess. Men's. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them? Played in... Let me think. Oh, shoot. Canadian Junior. You know what? I'm not sure. Oh, so I was close to making it then, Troy. I was close. I didn't make a juniors team either. <laughs> you were close. Something, that's something that I'd have to check on. Okay. I, know, I know that I would have I made juniors at least one year coming out of BC. Okay. You... Um, but, I'm not, but I'm not sure I went because it was back east or something. I'm, oh. I'm Googling um, it right now. <laughs> yeah. And then as an am. You probably tore it up I there. No, I, I really didn't. I didn't have I didn't have a stellar, you know, career. You know, you think back like guys that guys that were my age that had like stellar junior and AM careers, like Nick Taylor, right? Yeah. Nick Taylor, number one AM in the world. I mean, he winning Canadian AMs, uh, you know, all that stuff. Or who else was mine? Like Darren Wallace won a couple Canadian AMs. That was he would been he would have been my age. Um, Raphael Lee, uh, he won the, the junior, I think, one of the years that I played. Um, and so I, I, I never stood out as a junior and am, I don't believe. I was, hmm. I was good. Yeah. I never won the, I never won the BCM. Um, I never won anything at the national level in Canada, well, even in the States. I, 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 I've never, it, it, I've been a little bit different, I guess, in the fact, the way that I would describe it is I've just sort of steadily got better kind of every year that I've played, right? Like, yeah. I was kind of describing the college stuff. Well, I went into college and I wasn't the best on the team right away. I was good and I was good enough to make the squad and play each event. Yeah. But I was never the best. And then slowly over those four years that I was in school, I sort of kept getting better and better and better. And so my senior year, like I said, I got kind of into that yeah, tore it up, 40, kind of. 45 in college. And that, that was kind of the same way as a junior in AM um, in Canada. I never won anything, but it's in the top six or seven in the BCM twice. Canadian AM, I lo- well, I lost second I want to say like second round or something when it was at the last year it was match play oh right right it changed um, rules now yeah i want to say it was like second round of match play um something like that <laughs> i can actually like it's funny now that we're talking about that I, i've got like these weird like flashbacks to what was happening that day and uh and and things that went on but um yeah i was i was never stellar <laughs> I, I really wasn't. I mean, there's, there's no. Well, you're pretty good. What, we'll, we'll, we'll you about that? I mean, I mean, you're hell of a golfer, so it's. And but Troy, 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 stat factor here, I, fact factor. I, I love Google, Adam. I love it. May twenty eighth, twenty ninth of two thousand five, MJT Fraser Valley Championship at Ledgeview. You had a questionnaire you had to fill out, and I'm looking at your handwriting right now. Question was, what was your strategy or game plan for this tournament? And the answer by Mr. Hadwin himself was, if I can read the penmanship, play to my strengths. Oh, what does that say? Strengths and, oh, I can't read it. But the other part, which I laughed about, because you mentioned earlier was, uh, it says, did you think about any other players that were in this in contention? And you answered, no, I worried about my own game, and that helped me carry 
carry me through. So there it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right there, Drew. Have a look. It's his penmanship. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> that's 16 years ago that, we're going that's on. Too so funny. I'll screenshot it and send it to you. That's too funny. Aren't we funny as kids? I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was writing, and somehow I got something on the page. <laughs> and I and I probably wouldn't say anything different today. Yeah, I feel I'm, I'm the same boat for sure. <laughs> Okay, uh, Adam, we, we, I want to talk about the Canadian Tour. I mean, first off, how was that experience? And uh, you and I have talked off the record, you know, our cousins, you know, Dale and Ryan played on it as a grind of a tour. Um, you know, just walk us through your steps and, you know, what was that grind like from college to Canadian Tour? Canadian Tour was amazing. Um, I, had, I had so much fun on the Canadian Tour. Um, I, uh, I finished college in 2009. And I played locally in the in, in the Lower Mainland, just outside Vancouver, uh, for the summer of 2009. And I got my Canadian Tour card in the spring of 2010. So I played uh, played two full seasons on the Canadian Tour, 2010, 2011, and I mean, it was a blast. Um, you know, they did they did such a good job, and I think they continue to get better with it, especially since you know, yeah, kind of adopting the, the PGA moniker. Um, of preparing guys for the next level. Um, it's such a, a such such a professionally run event. Um, anything that you're going to face at the next level, as you move up to the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA, you're going to see out on PGA Tour Canada. Um, the camaraderie was awesome. I mean, you know, there. When I played, there was more money in it than what there is now. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I well, yeah. <laughs> no, so, you're probably right. Like just with all the trucks yeah, too nowadays I, and stuff, and yeah. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, we were we were playing for, I mean, we had purses at three hundred thousand dollars, a couple events when I was playing, and I think they're all standardized now at like one seventy five. So, yeah. Um, there's a little bit more money involved, but it's still. You know, when you're when you're going between events, driving or flying or whatever you're doing, you know, um, it's it's not a it's not you're not playing for a ton of money, and and that's it's not necessarily the purpose of the Canadian Tour, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the Canadian Tour is to sort of groom you, yeah. improve, play against good competition, and move up. Um, it's certainly not going to be a tour where you're going to like sit on for the rest of your life and provide for your family. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's a developmental tour. It is what it is. Uh, but it really does a, a great job of, of developing everything and, and getting you used to the idea of playing in a new city every week and seeing a different golf course every week and having, having to adjust to that and figure it out and um, all those sort of learning things. And, then, you know, I keep saying that it was so much fun. It just... You know, everybody kind of stayed together, right? We always had roommates. We were always splitting hotel rooms. It was, you know, we were always eating dinner together. Um, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we, we got into trouble every now and then in, in different cities and, um, you know, played played some golf as well. You know, it was, it was, it was a pretty, it was a fun time. It, it you know, there was there was a lot of pressure, obviously, because you wanted to get better, get to the next level. But looking back on it, it was almost like I was a little bit like 
more carefree than I am now, you know, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You'd think, well, I've been on the tour now. This is going to be my seventh year. Like, I should feel like I'm set and, and all that stuff. But um, it's almost as if there's more pressure now, right? I mean, I got a wife. I got a kid. I got a house. I got, like, this stuff to, like, worry about and think about. Canadian tour, you're fresh out of college. You're just traveling with your buddies and playing yeah. golf and living with mom and dad in the winter, you know, in the summertime when you get home. And um, there weren't a whole lot of... Uh, I guess commitments other than just kind of working, you know, getting better at golf. Mm-hmm. But um, I really enjoyed my time. Um, I'm happy that it was disappointing to see that they didn't have a season this year. Um, but given everything going on, obviously it would have been tough to pull off. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's, uh, you know, it continues to produce really, really good players. And, and those guys just keep moving up and getting better and get to the tour. And um, cer- certainly a, uh, you know, a bit of a launching point for my career, for mm-hmm. sure. So, Adam, I have to ask, after the Canadian Tour, and I, I think I'm 100% right on this, but the Corn Ferry comes after, and then you kind of move from there, because yeah, the Canadian Tour was that, now the Mackenzie Tour, yeah, the Corn Ferry Tour. So I, I guess what was that? Even more of an adjustment, too. I mean, you know, which is a whole, it, 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 it's a whole other step, right? I mean, obviously closer to the PGA, but, uh, you know, you're essentially you're in the minors in the hockey world kind of saying, but, um, you know, what was that adjustment like, you know, playing on the Corn Ferry? Uh, yeah, just walk us through that. Yeah, uh, to be I mean, to be fair, with with the the way that everything's run in Canada, it wasn't a ton of adjustment. Other than, you know, now I'm traveling in the states, and uh, the way the schedule sets up a lot, you're definitely flying in between events, and so there might there might have been just a little bit, little bit more travel involved, um, and maybe just a little bit longer of a season. Um, you know, Canadian tour really only runs what, like June through September. So you're looking at like maybe four months of golf. Whereas we moved into, we moved into now playing like February through October type thing. So, um, and now the, now the golf season just kind of keeps getting longer, at least on the the PJ tour anyways. Um, so just kind of, kind of, it's certainly a bit of a learning curve on how to plan a schedule and how many events to play in a row and how quickly you get tired and uh, when you need a break and, and things like that. Um, you know, I think Corn Ferry Tour usually has about 15 or 16 weeks in a row to end the year. And it's always difficult to, um, you know, especially if you're kind of lagging behind on the points list and you need to make up you know, you need to play well to move up, but, you know, you keep missing cuts. How many events do I keep chasing this? Do I take a week off? I mean, those are all things you got to learn, and that's all That's all player to player. Um, you know, you look at some of the best players in the world. I mean, you look at Sung J.M., who plays every single week, um, and he just he seems like he competes every single week. And then you look at a guy – uh, I mean, best example is probably Tiger, who plays, you know, 18 events a year. That's it. You see him a couple in a row, and you don't see him for another month, um, who also seemingly competes every single week. So, uh, you know, it's all individual. It's all learning experience. Um, you know, Corn, Corn Ferry Tour for me was 
similar to the PGA in that, or sorry, similar to PGA Tour Canada in that you still had a room. I still had a roommate most weeks, still traveling with guys each week, um, especially the international events. Um, that was a pretty, that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, and that was a, you know, a learning curve as well, getting to going to play in different countries, um, and kind of finding your way around that. And, um, I had a lot of, a lot of good experiences. Uh, well, I, I mean, I still do. Um, I still get a lot of great experiences yeah. uh, playing this game. And, and one of them is getting to travel the world a little bit and seeing different cultures and being in different uh, countries and, you know, trying to learn words of different languages and, and all that stuff. And, um, you know, it always makes you appreciate home when you come. Absolutely. No kidding. So Corn Ferry Tour, you got a couple of, couple of wins for sure. Uh, let our listeners know what they were like. What were those wins like, especially the first one? Obviously, it probably meant a hell of a lot, but uh, kind of walk our, our listeners through your wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. Yeah, um, again, I spent three years on the Corn Ferry Tour, and, and both wins were in my final year uh, on the tour. So it took me three years to win on the Corn Ferry Tour as well. Um, Again, it's kind of that slow development, right? I mean, I got out there. I played pretty well the first year. Um, I was actually at Tour Championship. I buried the last. And um, I was actually projected to be number 25. And back then, I think that was one of the last years that they had 25 direct cars. They still had Q School back then. And so that's where 25 guys were coming off both Corn Ferry and out of Q School. And um, somebody else buried the last hole and pushed me out. And I, I lost. I, I didn't get a PJ Tour card that oh. year. And um, but I struggled the next year. Uh, I struggled the next year in, in 2013. And I really, I actually barely kept my card. The top 75 keep their card, and I think I finished like 68. Um, and uh, it was it was a huge learning curve for me. I thought, I you know, like I came out and I played well and I was close to getting a tour card and um, I probably rested a little bit on that and didn't didn't work as hard and figured, oh, this is no problem and um, and I fell back and I regressed and and so it was a big uh, that off season going into the 2014 season, my third season on the Corn Ferry Tour was a big big year for me. Um, worked a lot harder than I ever had. We, we kind of dove into all the things that were lacking to get better. And, um, and I did, and I came out and this is a, it's kind of a funny story, but we were playing our first event of the year was in Bogota, Colombia. And Bogota is infamous for afternoon rains that just don't stop. And I play, we were playing and, and sure enough, uh, afternoon rains come in and, and everything's delayed and all that. So I was finishing my third round on Sunday and I'm wanted. So they're doing split tees one in 10. I'm one of the first groups off of hole number one. And so I finished my round and I basically go right out to play before, you know, the leading groups and, and that are even finished their round. Uh, we didn't repair or anything. We just kept playing to see if we could finish both rounds. And uh, I'm like 13 or 14 holes through of my fourth round. And 
I am just completely crapping the bed. <laughs> I'm like five or six over or something for the round. Um, you know, there weren't a ton of leaderboards out there, so I had no idea how far I had fallen, but, you know, all this stuff. And sure enough, here come the afternoon rains again at, like, 2, two o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> or something. And it ends up being a washout. And so we never counted the fourth-round scores at all. Nobody, nobody finished. Everybody was mid-round, so they couldn't count any of the scores. So it reverted back to where everybody's position was after the third round. And I had finished the third round T8. Um, and I think when I had looked, I might have fallen all the way to like the 40s or 50s or something by the, you know, midway through that fourth round. So the rain kind of saved me that week. I ended up with an eighth place finish. So I go from feeling really, really crappy about the way, you know, my game is going to being very, very thankful and happy because I got an eighth place finish now, like knowing that it was obviously very lucky. Um, and Chile was our, was our next week. And that's actually the week that I ended up winning. That was my first win on the corn Ferry tour. And I look back on that and think, who knows what would have happened if we had completed that fourth round? Um, <laughs> because I might've been in a different mental state. I might've been thinking different things about my golf game. Who knows? Um, mm -hmm. but I sort of took that, you know, I took that, that week in Bogota as a huge win and a lucky break. And I went down with a different attitude and I ended up winning in Chile. So, um, pretty crazy. Um, who knows if I had a, I would have won, but, um, you know, I finished eighth and then I won in Chile and that kind of just got my year started. And, um, I was in a good position from the very beginning of the year. I felt like I played with like no pressure the rest of the year you know i had already i had already basically locked up a pga tour card earlier in the you know early in the season it was just a matter of how high up that money list i would get mm -hmm. um i had a number of other high finishes going into um the playoffs kind of the playoffs that we know them now um and uh i ended up winning another i ended up winning a playoff event as well uh, the second playoff event in charlotte um, I was a first round leader, fell back after the second round. I think I was maybe one back or one ahead going after the third round. And then I ended up winning, winning by a couple. Um, but yeah, second, second win of the season. Um, and I ended up finishing, I want to say like seventh at the tour championship that year. And it, I ended up winning the money list. Um, and so that was, that was big. It was, it was such a, it was, it was an extremely huge accomplishment because it got me full status for the next year on tour. I wasn't sub, um, I wasn't subject to any reshuffles. It got me into the players. Um, so it did a lot and it did a lot to take some of the pressure off my first year on tour of having to perform early in order to stay in the reshuffles and to get more events later in the year. That's uh, that's quite the interesting story, Adam. Wow. I mean, and it just moves us to our next question, which, you know, you make it to the PGA Tour. Uh, currently, you're sitting top 100, uh, number 78, which is pretty damn impressive because I'm not near that, nor is Drew. Um, can you walk us through your first PGA Tour event and then follow it up with, like, what was the adjustments like going from, like you said, Canadian Tour, 
Corden Ferry, bam, I'm in the PGA Tour. And what is a typical day in the life of a PGA Tour player? Okay, that's a few questions. Let me let me let me break this down piece by piece. Um, what were the first few events like? Um, again, it's not it's not too dissimilar to what we would face on the Corn Ferry or Peach for Canada. Obviously, the scale of everything is a little bit bigger. Right, you've actually got people sitting yeah. down, and people want to come out and watch the, you know, come out and watch the PGA Tour and um, and all that stuff. Courses are different, so there was a little bit of getting used to that. Um, one of the, you know, one of the things, one of the adjustments I think that a lot of guys have in their first year or half year or even couple years is that you go from, you basically just go from playing a tour, you know, a couple tours on your own, doing everything on your own, um, you know, getting yardages, all that kind of stuff. Now you've got a caddy, you know, a lot of guys bring buddies and stuff, but, you know, if you hire a guy that's been working on tour for a while, he, he kind of, he knows the drill, so you're, you're probably doing a little bit less for yourself than you might have been before. Um, and then the other thing, it's easy to get caught up when you first get out on tour on what others are doing. Um, you know, you, you get out on tour and you look at a guy who has been out there for five or 10 years and you look at how he's practicing or how he swings it or what he does with his clubs or whatever it is. And you think maybe I should do that. And it's easy to forget why you got there and how you got there. Um, and I find that a lot of guys say that too about equipment as well. So, you know, Canadian tour and to a lesser degree corn fairy tour, you don't really touch your equipment. I mean, yeah. you know, like these guys, you're not, you're not getting your lies and loss checked every week and, you don't really know. You just you just play, right? You're like, God, my eight iron's going left this week, yeah. and you adjust. <laughs> um, oh, but you get to the you get to the PGA, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a there's a there's an equipment ban every week, and there's two or three guys from each equipment company that that are there for your every need, and it's very easy to get caught up in saying, Oh, my three wood's a little off. Let's work on it. Or, and then two weeks later, it's off again. No, we need to work on it. And it and it gets to be sometimes always the club, or you're always changing something. You're always and it's easy to kind of get caught in that trap. Instead of, you know, you just use this entire, you know, you just use a set of irons to finish tenth on the Corn Ferry Tour last year, and now you want to change? Why? You know, and yeah. So I think a lot. I think a lot of guys get, you know talk about that that it's easy to get caught up in that and it's easy to kind of think that you need to do something different in order to play on tour and um you know a lot of time you just got to remember what got you there um but i was a uh, i'm trying to think of the other questions now that uh there was three of them um yeah. Tip typical day in the in the life of a pga player Typical day, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it obviously varies. 
player to player, I can give you, you know, a typical day in my life. Uh, Mondays are usually travel days for me. So if you think of the tournament being Monday through Sunday, Mondays will be typically a travel day. Um, I don't do too much. Maybe try and get in the gym when I get there if I have time, depending on how far the event is from the last one. Um, get in the gym, do a workout you know, get unpacked for the week, get organized. Tuesday is what I would call sort of a longer day, is, is sort of the busier day. Get up, um, you know, go to the gym in the morning. Uh, if it's not a workout, it's really just something to kind of loosen up and get ready for the day. Um, start practicing, uh, get a good practice session in. Um, you know, if you're working on anything, that'd be the time to work on it. Um, you know, full spectrum of the game. And then most likely if you're in a pro-am, you'll, I'm, if I'm in a pro-am on Wednesday, on Wednesday, I'll just play nine. Um, sometimes I won't play at all on Tuesday. Um, and then if I'm not in a pro-am, usually I'll at least play nine, maybe play 18 on Tuesday. Um, sometimes play a game depending on who's in, who's in the event. And, uh, a lot of times I'll just go off by myself. Uh, later in the afternoon when it's quiet, I can just hit a few shots around the golf course. Um, so finish Wednesday, uh, similar, depends on pro-am tea time and all that stuff. If I have a, a, pro, a pro-am in the afternoon, I'll get in the gym again in the morning. If I have a pro-am in the morning, I'll get in the gym after the pro-am. But basically, it's a uh, you play with the, play with the guests of the tournament, make them have a great day. Uh, make sure they enjoy the day. Um, gives you, it gives me a chance on Wednesday to kind of play and, you know, assess how I'm hitting everything and, and am I hitting my lines? Am I hitting the shots that I want? All that kind of stuff. Um, if there's anything that I need to touch up on the range afterwards, I will, but it's usually, you know, kind of just more of a, maybe hit a few extra balls warming up and then typically done after the pro-am. And then um, we start Thursday. Uh, so it just depends on, again, depends on tea time. Um, morning morning time to get up and play. And if there's anything that you need to work on, you felt a little bit off on the golf course, you'll probably practice a little bit after the round. And whatever day you play in the morning, you'll probably work out in the afternoon. And then on the afternoon rounds, you'll, depending on how late the tea time is, you just kind of get up and chill and hang out for a little bit and kind of just, rest that morning and then um kind of start with your pre-round routine uh like it's normal so um and then then you got the weekend so awesome that's um wow that's a lot harder than our uh, day-to-day jobs that's intense (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) you know it's uh it's probably not harder uh, it might, there might be a little bit more into it than maybe, you know, the average person probably thinks about. Um, I certainly wouldn't say it's harder. Um, I mean, we get to do what we love. And so, um, you know, all of us, um, every one of us playing this game at a, you know, at a, at a high professional level has a pretty strong drive to get better every day. And, and when every, every other player is doing all these things to get better, um, you've got no choice but to but to do it, or you're you're gonna fall behind. So, um, but just that 
that challenge of, of trying to go through that every day um, is sadistic as it sounds sometimes can be pretty fun. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Adam, here's a, here's a three-parter, but we'll keep it at one here. And it's kind of funny. So I texted Colt Nost uh, yesterday, and, you know, your best season to date is uh, in 2017. You shot a 59, okay, so which is unbelievable, which is I've never done. Uh, maybe mini golf, maybe. That's still 12 over par. But Colt Nost mentioned you, you sh- he shot or you shot 59 playing with him. What happened on the 18th hole? <laughs> well, first of all, before the incident with Colt ever happened, it was not me that dropped the F bomb off the 18th tee. <laughs> if you if you ever try and if there's ever video that surfaces from La Quinta, I promise you, it was not me. It was blamed on me, but it was not me. I hit the fairway. Um, but anyways, we were walking off. We were walking off the 18th tee, and and first of all, Colt is is a lot of fun to play with. Oh yeah. And, um. As a as a golfer, when you know something like that's going on, you know it, it's similar to uh, you know I would imagine a goalie in hockey or a, a pitcher in baseball. You know when they're when they're pitching, you know a shutout or a no hitter or a perfect game or something. Is you sort of just leave the guy alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Cole was great. Uh, such a good guy to play with. Everything's so light and. And I think that the Pro-Am format probably helps that a little bit as well because I can sort of get out of my own game and, and you know, talk to my AM partner and read hush for him and, and that sort of stuff. But um, we walk off the 18th tee and I'm 13 under for the tournament – or, sorry, 13 under for the day. All I got to do – I got a par 18 to shoot 59. And um, there was a small scoreboard or, – or no, there wasn't, it wasn't even a scoreboard – uh, my AM partner was on a phone walking off the tee box and he turns to me and he goes, holy crap, Adam, did you know that you were in the lead? <laughs> and and uh, that's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like uh, playing with your, you know, your buddies or something and going, wow, you're eight under through 12. You might set the course record, you know, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> type of jinx you know and i just remember just so vividly colt like 10 yards behind us going what are you doing no don't tell him you know just like <laughs> you know because he he understand like i'm sure my am partners knew that i was third you know whatever yeah. and they, they they might not have realized that i was gonna shoot you know shoot 59 or something but colt obviously knew and he just, he reacted so funny to it. Um, and it, it didn't even, like, when he when my AM partner said that, it didn't even, like, register. I mean, I was so focused on shooting 59 and not screwing up on 18 that it, like, it went in one ear, out the other. And I, I'm pretty sure that I cold, or told Colt, like, no, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like, whatever. Ha-ha. <laughs> like, I look at the leaderboards all the time anyway. So yeah. It wouldn't have bothered me, but his reaction to what the AM <laughs> said was so funny um, because it was just an instant like, no, what are you doing? Don't jinx him. Like, come on, man, <laughs> type, of, type of situation. But the, um, like, I mean, our AM partners were great, but I don't, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They probably just didn't really sort of register 100% what was going on in that situation. But it's, it's probably something that, um, you know, it's something that you might look up, but probably not something that you should say to the guy. <laughs> That's unreal. Yeah, Colt's an absolute beauty, friend of the show. Um, okay, Adam, I have one here for you, and I have to ask about the President's Cup. You know, how special was that, and what was that experience like? President's Cup's incredible. Um, I've been fortunate enough now to play on two teams. My first one was in New York um, at uh, Liberty National there with the backdrop of Manhattan. I mean, other than the fact that we got absolutely smoked and I didn't get more than a half point, it was probably one of the greatest weeks of my life. I mean, um, it's just so, so cool. Um I mean, American fans can be so hateful sometimes, though. Um, it's it, it was incredible, you know. I mean, just a nice Canadian kid just being yelled at and told to hit it in the water constantly. It was something <laughs> different, but um, but it was it was it was amazing. It was incredible. It's it's such a it's so different from what we normally do. Obviously, we're competing against all these guys every single week and. You know, to come together as 12 individuals and 12, yeah, I think it's 12, um, yeah. <laughs> as 12 individuals and, you know, play for a team and sort of have a bigger goal, um, it, it's a lot of fun. And it, and it makes me, the, I've had a few opportunities to sort of play, you know, a couple World Cups and, uh, and the President's Cup and it sort of makes me miss the, the team atmosphere a little bit of, of team sports and being in the locker room with a bunch of guys and, and having, you know, playing for each other and all of that. Um, and it, it's just, I mean, it's so hard to describe what the, what the week is really, you know, what, what it's really like. I mean, obviously we're all individuals. We have to play an individual game, you know, to do the best that we can for the team. And, you know, and, and then, and then Australia, you know, going down there and, um, you know, you mentioned your cat, your uh, cousin Dale and, you know, him caddying for Abe and, um, it's just so much fun again. I mean, you know, you're all saying, you were all in the same hotel, we're on the same floor, you know, getting together for dinners and, and, uh, you know, partying after events and, um, you know, this past one being close you know like we really did make it a president's cup this past year i mean we had the lead going into the final day um you know if we could have had a, a one a couple you know or even have the two matches earlier on maybe um we might have been able to flip some momentum and so that was a that was an incredible atmosphere to be a part of um you know fans were incredible um behind us the whole, the whole way and we got because we got up early we got them on our side and um it's just it's so much fun i mean the best players in the world mm -hmm. and uh you know to be with them side by side and and um it's it's it, it means a lot more when it's when it's for something else and you know there's right. a lot more pressure and um but man it, it is it's an experience you just 
once you play one of them, you don't ever want to miss them. So I got I got a lot of work to do, but I've got some time before before our next one. Right. So you you know you're talking President's Cup. You know one of the next notes that I had written down was that one of your main charity beneficiaries was the uh, Child Foundation Foundation for Children with yep. Intestinal and Liver Liver Disorders. Did you care to uh, you know give them a shout out? Tell our listeners what that's all about. Yeah, so my, my brother was diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease. Um, uh, <clears throat> affects his <clears throat> intestines. Sorry, took a little sip of water here and got it down the wrong throat. But um, oh, good. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at a, at a at a young age, and so we were introduced to the Child Foundation, which their main focus is is the research behind uh, you know finding a cure a cure and, and finding the reasons why these, you know, intestinal liver, liver disorder issues happen in the first place. Right. So very research orientated, yeah. trying to find, um, you know, like I mentioned, a cure and also, you know, hereditary reasons or, um, any, any, anything basically so that people don't have to live with Crohn's in the future, uh, or, colitis or other intestinal issues and and all that and so we were introduced to child from a young age and um when i i'm trying to think of one of the first things we did with them whether it was through a golf tournament or it might have just even been through i want to say when i made the u.s open in 2011 um my i think my brother was in the hospital at the time for for a crumbs related issue Okay. And um, wanted to do something, I think, to help out child. And so I did like a a birdies for child campaign. And so nice. I asked, you know, a bunch of people that I knew and sponsors and, and stuff like that to, you know, contribute whatever it was for birdie. And I think we ended up. I, I honestly, I can't, I can't tell you how much we raised. Um, I can't remember exactly. Well, I, I think but, I mean uh, I think over the years it's been uh, what is this, is a million dollars over over the years? Is that what it is? Yeah, I I definitely think if it hasn't crossed that mark, it's very close. Um, and so after that sort of first raising money for child through you know a birdies for child campaign, uh, my dad really sort of jumped on and, and took took a hold and and we created a, a charity golf event. Um, we, we, we hold it, we hold it, we've held it every year at Morgan Creek, uh, with being the main beneficiary. Um, we've also added, you know, some secondary beneficiaries the last couple of years, but, um, yeah, we just, because it was something that was, you know, close to our family and, um, you know, having, having seen the things that my brother had to go through growing up and some of the challenges that he faced and, um, you know, spending, spending time in hospitals and, and, um, you know, having parts of his, his, uh, colon and, and stuff removed. Um, it was difficult. So it, it took on a little bit more meaning and, um, we were happy and, and still are to be able to support that foundation. I think we were typically each year, we were their single largest, um, fundraising event that they held. Um, and so, um, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of turned into an event that I think most people look forward to, uh, to going to, and we see the same faces every year and we have a lot of fun that day and we raise some good money for the child foundation and other good causes. And, 
Um, you know, it was disappoint- disappointing not to be able to hold it this past year, but uh, we're looking forward to to doing it again, hopefully, uh, towards the end of this year. Absolutely. You know, Drew and I, uh, quick little story. I was diagnosed with cancer a year and a half ago, just yeah, a little bit longer than that. I've been uh, clean now for about a year, but we actually do a lot of work with the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. It's probably not the same amount of donations that we get that your tournament does, but I, I, we know what you mean when it, you know, it's close to your heart and it means a lot you yeah. know, to give back to that, to, to that foundation. So, yeah, good on you, Adam. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I know that, you know, other, other people raise it. I mean, every, every bit counts, right? And, I mean, if you can be a part of something bigger, uh, um, you know, I'd like, I'd like nothing more than at some point for this foundation to be, uh, you know, the child foundation to be a part of something bigger and absolutely and hopefully the doctors that are working together, they can, they can come up and say, look, we've, we've sort of narrowed it down to this and we think that we can do something with this now. And maybe that, you know, treatments and everything will be a lot easier. And, you know, our event may have played a small part in that. So that'd be pretty cool. Absolutely. Okay. Adam quickly here. I want to ask about, you know, obviously before we go into our segment questions from the gallery, uh, you know, what's something that you could tell a young listener today listening on, you know, what it takes to make it as a pro golfer, pro athlete, uh, just in general, uh, just some feedback for the young listeners. Um, I think number one is you gotta, you have to keep the fun in the game. You have to, it, it can't, it can't become a job too early on. Like, yeah, every once in a while, this feels like a job to me. Um, it's like anything with anybody, right? It doesn't matter how much you like something. At some point, if you struggle enough with it, it's going to feel like a job. But at the end of the day, I still really enjoy and, and take a lot of joy in what I do. And I see, you know, kids these days, I think it's really easy to get super focused and lasered in on one thing really early um, because you have to. I mean, everybody else is doing it, so if you don't, then you're going to fall behind. And yeah, if you can find, you gotta you gotta find a way to keep keep the fun in the game, whether that's you know through how you practice, whether you need to play more, whether you need to compete more, whatever it is. Uh, the second the second that this game becomes a chore or a job, you're gonna struggle, especially especially younger. Um, it's just gonna it's gonna get yeah. worse and worse. So um, you gotta you gotta find a way to keep it fun. Um, and that doing that is going to allow you to work harder because you're going to want to work. You know, if it's not fun, you're not going to want to work. You're not going to want to practice. You're not going to want to do it. You're going to force yourself to do it. And it's just kind of a a recipe for disaster. So, um, I think that's the biggest thing is, is make sure at the end of the day that yes, at times it's going to be some work and you're going to have to push through it. But at the end of the day, it's fun for you. And you get to go out, and you get to do this, and you enjoy it. You know, even if you're struggling, you enjoy trying to figure out why you're struggling. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah, no kidding. That's probably one of our best answers yet. Yeah. No <laughs> uh, all right, Adam. Okay, go, we're going into our uh, segment now, questions from the gallery. 
Uh, we all know Golf Outdoors is still a ways away, so what better way to keep your game up to par than heading on down to Divots Indoor Golf. They have seven great simulators, great food, people, and an unreal atmosphere. So come on down today and play at Divots, located on Rochdale Boulevard. What a place to be at. All right, here we go, Adam. Question number one, Parker asked, and I believe he works at Divots. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he does. Uh, favorite courses to play slash have you played in Saskatchewan? Yes. Um, I've played quite a bit of golf in Saskatchewan. Um, my, I still have family there. My, my grandmother and my aunt are still in Saskatoon. And so I grew up in the summertime going out to visit them. And my, uh, my grand, grandfather was a member at Saskatoon Golf and Country Club, I believe. And uh, so I remember going out to play with him. Uh, as a young kid, and then obviously my experience at uh, Riverside when I started playing uh, amateur events. Um, favorite course to play? Gosh. Um, I would say I'm going to stipulate it by saying that, it, that it's got to be like 65 degrees and sunny. But Pebble Beach is pretty tough to beat. I knew on a you nice were going to say that. I knew you were going to yeah, say no that. Yeah, no kidding. That'd be nice. I know. <laughs> it's it's such a it's such a typical answer that I hate saying it. But of the courses that I've played, it's it's such a tough course to beat on a nice day. You know, you turn the corner, you sit on the water there for what is it, seven holes or six six holes or something. And then you come inland again, and then you hit the water to finish on set. It just it just leaves such a good taste in your mouth when you leave. So we uh, we played Pebble Beach here at Divots there a couple of weeks ago. A little different though, indoors on a screen, but uh, yeah, <laughs> we, it. We, we did make it. So, <laughs> but we also get to play with six foot auto gimmies. So, um, well, was it was it sixty five and sunny though? Because you can't beat it. I don't know where the thermostat is in here. I think it was, it was windy 72, in here though. 72. It was windy in here, so. So, this is our segment from our listeners, but I ask one question to each guest personally, and what I want to know is your ultimate golf foursome, and it be whoever you want, dead or alive, whatever. Who's your ultimate golf foursome? Man, I like I should have a prepared answer for this because <laughs> this is on every questionnaire ever um to a to a professional golfer it used to include it used my foursome used to include tiger woods because i hadn't played with him before but now i've played with him so <laughs> he's i'm kicking kicking him to the curb <laughs> but um i've always foursome um i would say Nicholas, Palmer, and Trevino. Only, like, because Trevino seems like he's a riot. Oh, yeah. He seems like a weapon, that guy. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's that, a good foursome, That's though. a really good foursome. Except you didn't yeah. include Tiger Woods, which most guests do, but you told us why. So now we have to crop it out and cut it out and you know just blow it up on the internet. <laughs> Adam Hadwin does not want to yeah. play golf with Tiger Woods. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's the next one there, Drister? <laughs> All right, Taylor Kinch from Swift Current. Um, does 
prepper, I think it, I'm going to read this how he tweeted it. Does preparation for majors differ from other week-to-week tourneys? Um, for me, no. And I know that I know that that's a, that's different for a lot of guys. You hear a lot of a lot of guys talk about how their major prep is a little bit more and, and all of that. For me, it's it's I would say no. Um, I try and treat every event the same. Um, I try and prepare the same. I've done it differently in the past and tried to you know play more practice rounds or get there earlier and I just end up tiring myself out for the week so um, you know my, my focus at the at the end of the day is just to play as good a golf as I can every single week um, and obviously there's a little bit more pressure on the majors um, and you put a little bit more pressure on yourself to do well but but no, I'm still preparing the same way that I would any other event, um, trying to be as sharp as possible, all, all facets of the game, and, and trying to be as rested as possible um, and, you know, ready to play. Good answer again. This one uh, comes in from Reno. He wants to know, how many beers do you indulge on an off day on the golf course, and what's your choice? <laughs> Sorry, how many what? Sorry. How many how many beverages? How many beers? I don't whatever. Oh. Twisted teas. I'm not too sure what you're <laughs> drinking, but he wants to know how many you have on an off day if you're just out bumming around on the course with your buddies, and and what's your what's your oh, beverage of choice? Man. Yeah, you know that's a that's a good Saskatchewan question right there. <laughs> that's that's probably the one part of me that I don't take away from Saskatchewan is I'm not a huge drinker. <laughs> Oh, we didn't say binge drinking. Just you know, one a hole for eighteen holes, and playoff holes. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a problem. Um, so you know what? Honestly, um, I am a, a very, very light drinker. Um, I might have a beer or a glass of wine if we go out to dinner. Um, but you know, I I have a six pack. Of, of beer in the fridge that's been sitting there for like the last couple of weeks, um, and I still have and I still have four left. So that that tells you how <laughs> big of a drinker I am. Um, it yeah, I have, I have no no reason no reason to be or not to be. It just um, just don't really do it. Fair enough. So, that's a that's a totally fine answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, then this, this also uh, is. You probably would have heard it then, because uh, you would have been sober on the golf course. But in 2018, the Phoenix Open, 16th hole, drunk Saskatchewan boys chanting Moosejaw. Do you remember that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and they were definitely probably binge drinking for sure on that one. Yeah. Um, do I? You know, I mean, do I specifically remember it? No, but. Um, the, the 16th hole is extremely crazy, but I will say this, that the Canadians that come down or that are in the desert that find their way into that event always seem to be the loudest, and uh, they do a really good job of making sure that we know that they're there. Um, I've had the national anthem sung to me on a few occasions, <laughs> and it is amazing. And uh, yeah, Canadian golf Canadian golf fans are uh, some bananas. of the best in the world. <laughs> and 
we get such we get we we as Canadians on tour we get incredible support from them uh, sort of wherever we go and they seem to you know Phoenix obviously it's in the desert it's nice weather it it makes sense as to why they're there but Canadian golf fans pop up all over the world um, it doesn't matter what city or country we're playing in they they seem to be there so. Um, well, Adam, this is definitely the, proud. Oh, sorry, definitely proud to to represent the red and white wherever we go. Absolutely, we're that Maple Leaf proud. Last question on my end. I think Drew might have one more for you. This came off our Instagram page, and her name is Paige. She wants to know, friend of the show, Graham Delette, or Adam Hadwin, better beard. Uh, <laughs> well. I feel as though I can grow a beard with the best of them. However, I will concede defeat to Graham because I have never committed to the beard like he has. <laughs> um, that, that's a, he grows a, be a beehive when he wants to. And uh, I just, I don't have that level of commitment. Look, I've got, I've got the color and I've got the thickness and the, and the coverage but I just can't commit to growing something that long. So I gotta, I'll give it to Graham. Great okay answer. Great answer. <laughs> All righty, Adam. Well, first, I mean, obviously, again, man, this has been so much fun today. I think, you know, myself and Troy had a lot of fun with this one. Uh, you know, we're, we're wishing you best in the 2021 season. Um, you know, rip it up, play well, and hopefully that we can do this again sometime. Yeah, of course. I, I appreciate, uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It's always good to chat with a good a good couple of Saskatchewan boys and uh, I appreciate the time Thank, thanks again Adam for coming on and uh, to a good 2021 to you and your family and I yeah. uh, hope to talk to you soon I appreciate it guys thanks for the time alright take care Adam Birch Supply Company is a proud sponsor of Off the Halls of Podcast they are a Canadian clothing brand based out of Saskatchewan the company was founded by two lifelong friends who represent their passion for style, the outdoors, and good times through their clothing. Birch Supply Company strives to be involved in the community and bring you quality Canadian-made products. You can check out their current lineup and get the lowdown on new arrivals through their Instagram page, at Birch Supply. Alrighty, there it is, episode 55 with Adam Hadwin, Canadian sensation. Again, born in Saskatchewan, raised in B.C., uh, a lot of fun with this one. It was a little long, but we don't mind. It's a long one, but yeah, he had a lot of, lot of good points, good talking points, and we're excited to see him uh, play this week. I think being a longer podcast, yeah, it means he had a good time. Uh, I know some guests, you know, they have time allotted. 30 minutes, that's all I got. He just went with it, had a good time. Lots of good questions, lots of good stories. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of cool having another guy on the PGA that joined the show. Hopefully the spreads his wings and gets some more guests for us so thanks again adam for coming on yeah we hope you uh, enjoyed it and i know you want to rip off uh, what we got going on this friday we will be launching a um, giveaway yeah if you if you haven't followed us get over to facebook and check us out at off the hosel go to twitter or instagram also check out at underscore off the hosel we got a big big contest coming up here we're giving away well it's got to be valued at over $300, I'm thinking. Yes, we you got, bet. We uh, got two sweaters from our friends at Divots Indoor Golf, uh, off the hosel sweater. What is it? We got $75 gift cards in Campfire Grill. Five pizzas five to their new pizzas. business. We got Manscaped Weed Whacker for your 
nostrils and ear canal. Uh, am I missing anything? Uh, two rounds of divots. Oh, I forgot that. Two two rounds of golf at Divots Indoor Golf. So get over, check our social media pages, get in on this contest. Uh, somebody's going to be one happy camper. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and the contest will uh, include you know following us and Divots, so uh, supporting our our home here. Local. Yeah, local exactly. So other than that, um, you know we had an interview planned for next week. Hopefully getting back on. We'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed the interview today. Troy, as always, man, this has been awesome. And Likewise, uh, I'll give you an update on the Tiger documentary as I will be watching it. And I'll let you know my thoughts next week. Stay tuned. Yeah, check it out. Have a good uh, week, Troy. Weekend, we'll talk to you next week. Everyone else out there, have a great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Listen to the podcast, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcast provider. We'll talk to you next week. Peace. See ya.